0: Shachtum, an Indo Askeliger.
2: Time a mon the end of Chacht er a corp, Agasuligum a Makansha, Gurfeger e a hoir, a nuik cart, len of winter thing. Schilti, vis, turme. Toshi, dochretchet, nach
1: vetach, ara, igornemjon, unchest si in the echo.
2: Vientalem a or corn yeah,
1: to Find us on all the usual podcast platforms.
2: Hang round be the man with Mike Prendergast and Dennis Lemi assisting him can they finally end that long wait for silverware. The
0: left wing is back for season number 6 and what a year we have to look forward to.
1: I think they know this is Johnny's last season. Is it the right way? (laughs) It's the right way for Ireland, that's for sure.
0: This time next year, the World Cup in France will be in full flow, but there is plenty of rugby between now and then to enjoy, discuss, and occasionally disagree on. Will Slattery here with you, as always, alongside Luke Fitzgerald. And tonight, we are going to preview the season ahead with Rory O'Connor that promises to be as big as any in the history of Irish rugby. I'd also like to thank those of you who sent me in questions on Twitter earlier. I'll be putting those to the lads later on in the show, and that will be a regular feature going forward this year. We're really grateful to everyone who listens to the show every week, and we want to hear from you throughout the season as much as possible. So don't hesitate to drop myself or Luke a tweet at any stage, and we'll answer your questions as much as we can. But now we'd like to have Rory back here with us. Rory, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Will. Good to be back.
0: Yeah, great to have you on. And I know we've been here before, Rory, many times heading into a World Cup year. Expectations are high, but am I off base in saying that this feels a little more momentous than in times past? Maybe it was beating the All Blacks. We we also have Johnny Sexton's last stand to come over the last 12 months. And all the provinces going into a campaign after how last season ended with huge question marks. Something about coming into this season, for me anyway, feels like there's a lot on the line, even compared with previous World Cup years. Am I wrong on that?
2: Funny, it's not the sense that I have it all, Will, because I, I don't see it as a World Cup year. I think the World Cup is the start of the next season almost. That this is uh, this is almost a kind of a, an unusual these are unusual seasons. And the fact that so much store has been put into the World Cup, this is almost like before the Lorimer show in some way that the the you know, we've got November internationals, which will be very interesting, but it'll all be framed through a World Cup context. We'll have Six Nations, which is always worth winning, but again will be framed through a World Cup context and we don't know how much we're going to see the Ireland players for in the provincial season. And and there is, there are individual storylines within that provincial season that are worth following and, you know, including Johnny Sexton's last stand with Leinster, you know I mean? He may not feature for a lot of the URC season, but he wants to win a a, a fifth Heineken cup to go out on a high at, at, at his, you know, the, the other Jersey that he's so synonymous with, you know, um, so I don't see this as like I think the World Cup is there, but I I think there's so much time. It's a year today, as we record that the World Cup kicks off, and there's so much to go on be, be, between now and then, including a, a couple of months off or a month off and, and a preseason. That I don't see it as as being you know that's not how I'm framing it. Really, I I think it's a kind of unusual year. It's 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 that's coming, but there's there's a lot to be done in between. But it's going to be all framed through the prism of the World Cup, if you know what I mean.
0: Fair play, you just surgically dissected my entire narrative in one uh, very impressive answer, uh, Luke. How are you? You know, approaching things. Rudd makes a good point there. There is that good chunk of time off, you know, at the end of the season, maybe two months or so before the World Cup warms kicking into gear. Are you kind of approaching this season? You know, the storylines we we we're going to be discussing as its kind of own entity, and then there's a bit of a reset. Or you know, as for me, even your playing career, is it our players viewing this as one kind of? you know, the final furlong now going into Paris next
1: year? I'd probably be leaning more on Rudd's side. I do think, you know, given my own experience, my own, my only real experience of going to a World Cup, um, been in a few training camps, sadly, but uh, I only went to the one. Uh, it very much did feel like a, a different entity uh, in that, you know, we obviously were training kind of pre-season matches uh, against some, you know, other international teams who were in the kind of same position as us um, going into the World Cup. So I would say... The feeling was we went from a pretty, you know, in, in a pretty strong position, I would think, um, and then kind of almost regressed. And, uh, you know, you had to get things together very quickly off the back of a preseason, which is difficult to do. I mean, you're really only, like, the strength and conditioners now have you so primed for those key periods in the season. Um, you know, your Six Nations and uh, kind of anything after Six Nations, really. But Six Nations really what you're priming for, your, your key guys. Um so yeah, it'll be tough for the Northern Hemisphere teams as always to get out of the blocks. That's their biggest challenge. Um, but if you can do that well, you know, you might be in a better position versus possibly some of the Southern Hemisphere sides um in the knockouts. You might be a little bit fresher, but again, it feels like almost a separate season. Um, you know, so yeah, look, it's it's uh, it's very interesting all the same. I I you know, I think what will be interesting to see is you know injuries is something that we'll be certainly talking about throughout the season like who gets you know any large any long-term injuries you know how would it impact their their tournament preparations uh, if it's a key player um you know some of the younger guys is there going to be a few interesting candidates that put their hand up is there a few people that we already know of and um, you know can they push their way into the team and again of course it's going to be all form even though as i said in my own opinion it's almost like a separate uh, kind of season um it will still be what we're talking about all through the year so uh it'll be interesting i'll be enjoying talking about it during the year that's for sure pretty much like everyone else um but again um yeah look it, it's uh certainly going to be as Rods alluded to there i think it's france new zealand is the opener on this very day i think i think it's on the friday um next year in september so it is only a year away calendar wise but um yeah, loads, loads to talk about. Loads of ground to cover before that, Will.
0: Yeah, I think I'm meant to be at a day two of a wedding on that Friday, so I'm very much <laughs> looking forward to that France-New Zealand game, uh, even though it's a year away. Right, okay, well, Park World Cup stuff for now. You know, in terms of this season as its own entity, what are the storylines that have you engaged? I know you were at the URC launch a couple of days ago. That's going to be the bread and butter for the next two months until the autumn tests are all around. So if we just take maybe the next two months, anything in particular catching your eye in terms of what you're
2: looking forward to seeing? The World up still a storyline, Will. It's, I'm not saying it's not going to be there all the time. It's, you know, the Johnny Sexton succession plan. Where does Ciarán Frawley play in the first couple you're of weeks? You're not allowed to write about it, Rhodes, after that comment. That's it. Your bars. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Good luck with that. You pickings. Um, like, like, once they're going to be fascinating. You know, new coach, couple of new signings. You know, they look very light in, in certain areas can they you know can't like you know they've got they've got some phenomenal players in that in in that squad and yet they haven't won anything in so long you know can graham round be the man with mike prendergrass and dennis leamy assisting him can they finally and end, end that long wait for silverware um leinster finished it, like it's the first time in since 2016 i think since leinster have come into the, the season not with as defending champions of something so like you know Leinster are coming in out on the back of a major disappointment for the first time in a long time, for the first time in many of their players' career. Um, and that's a, a, a massive thing. You know, th- there's a really difficult start. If we're looking in the really immediate term, Connacht are coming in, and they've got five unbelievably difficult games to start with. Um, and they're looking to, you know, kick on massively from last season. So, um, And then Ulster, like their last act last season was that Stormer's kick at the death in Cape Town when they thought they were going to home a home final in the urc and you know a, a real opportunity for them and instead their their hearts are broken so like all four of the provinces have storylines in their own right we've got an emerging ireland tour to south africa coming up next month then november the Springboks are coming and i've long been kind of signaling out that fixture is the one that ireland like whatever about beating new zealand then you know not that i'm going to you know diminish th- that achievement but i think Ireland are kind of well set up against New Zealand, whereas South Africa are you know, a little bit like Ireland's kryptonite. So that's gonna be fascinating as well. So there's loads like in the immediate term to get stuck into and to look forward to. Um and you know this season, like the URC I think will be a lot better than last year. And I think because it was an all South African final, that almost has to grab the Irish team's attention. And then you've got the South Africans teams coming into Europe in December as well, so that just makes that competition even more difficult to win. So there's loads, loads to look forward to, loads going on, and loads to get stuck into as well. Yeah, Luke.
0: From anything Rud said there, like what are you picking out? What, 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 what in the opening couple of weeks? You know, after a, you know a few weeks hiatus, has piqued your interest?
1: Yeah, I think the Munster thing is 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 really intriguing. Um, you know, I've probably been calling for a few changes there. Um, which I don't think are gonna happen, but I think it'll be for the best of the squad. I think at ten they really need to have a look at that. Um, you know, I think Crowley and um and Healy are two guys who I really would like to see get more game time this year. I'd like to see one of them poke their head up and, and take and grab that spot. Um, you know, I think Carby is look an excellent rugby player, but I still feel like he should be battling it out with Haley for that fifteen slot. I just think it's it, it, i just think their team would just purr so much better uh if he was there. Uh, and he'd be that second kind of playmaker for them as well. I think he'd he'd really relish um that kind of role at fifteen. I, I it's just not going to happen. Um, but um, yeah. Look, I think you know I, I'm a big fan of Roundtree. Like lovely, lovely guy. I think he'd be the. I think he's a really good personality for months or two. I think he'll stick around. I think they should stick with him. Um, the challenge for them, I think, is going to be that that front row issue. Um, you know, can they? You know there are a few guys leaving. Uh, you know how do they fill those holes? And is Roundtree? I mean, that, that's to my mind, that's Roundtree's biggest challenge this year: is can he bring through a few guys that we've been watching from a distance for a while, um, keep them fit for the season, and can they carry them through tough stages, say in the Heineken Cup against a big French pack? Um, because I think if he can do that, I think there's enough quality that they have. You know, in the back, uh, you know, in the back five uh, of that pack. I mean, if they get Snow- you know Snyman back, I just think um it's a gnarly looking pack and they've got some really good young guys in there along with some 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 really good veterans who are in form and the likes of Peter O'Mahony uh, I think it could release someone like Tyburn into that sixth slot as well so they've lots of options and, and quality there just that front three can they you know can they survive there um and uh that's that's their biggest challenge for them because I think up the backs there's loads of quality there they have finishers they've got uh, they have guys I think um, you know, with experience, a few young guys as well mixed in there. So I think they have all the tools, um, except in that front row I'm a little bit concerned about. But I just, I want things to go well for him. I think I I like Roundtree. I think he's a good fit for Munster. Um, and I think he could be there for the long haul if he gets a little bit of success or they see some green shoots this season. I think Silverware might be a big ask. Um, but um, look, I, I hope I'm wrong on that one. I, I'd, I'd really like to see them uh, break the duck. Rudd? You know, you
0: were talking Andrew Conway at the URC launch.
1: What what did you kind of
0: glean from what he was saying about the coaching staff? I know they haven't worked very long, but anything changing? Any kind of new things they're bringing to the table?
2: It was interesting listening to him. Firstly, I think he seems to be in a really good place personally, and I know he's he's carrying an injury into the season. But he's coming in in really confident, relaxed form, and that bodes well for him because you know he's watched Mac Hansen and Keith Earls playing that series in in what he would see as his jersey. But um, you know he recently got married; he's he's got a, a young kid, and he just seems to be in a really good place. and And I I'm was very impressed by him, but as as I spoke to him at the on Monday, um, what he was saying was it does sound like Roundtree is running a fairly. Um, different kind of ship to what say like people that you know everyone calls him by his, his nickname um that doesn't happen really at Leinster uh that doesn't happen that, you know it's more of maybe an, you know Andy Farrell's known as Faz by the, by all the players it was interesting just how casually he talked about the, the different coaches and Mike Prendergast in there he's really highly regarded and he seems to be very well liked as well and Nimi seems to be a bad cop and he's coming down from Leinster having worked you know as pretty the junior coach in that environment but he's he's gleaned an awful lot from the Leinster setup, and he's bringing that in as well. But he seems to be one is pulling people up in meetings, and and r- running the rule over kind of video analysis stuff, and, and kind of pointing out those little pieces of detail. Say, you know, you missed your running line two phases back. That's why we turn over the ball here, for example. That those sort of little nuggets. It does sound like they're going to try and attack more like Ireland. Um, it sounds like everyone, just from the URC launch, it sounds like everyone across the league is going, to, is taking clips of Ireland and is trying to copy what they're doing. So, um, that'll be interesting because like Leinster kind of did that first. So like, if everyone's trying to copy that model, you know, how sustainable is that? It's hard to know. But, um, he did say it's going to take time. They lost both their preseason games. I think it's interesting they've been deploying Simon Zeebo fullback. I know Luke wants uh, Joey Carberry there, and I'd like to see him there as well. But I think that's Zeebo's best position. I think what he does is he opens up the field for Munster if he's there. He's such a great distributor, and he has vision. And Prendergast worked well with him at Racing. You know, they 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 know each other very well. And, you know, he could play as well back his play his way back in Darling contention if he gets his hands on the ball. I, I think, you know, he's slightly getting on at this stage, but he he's still he's still a quality player when he's when he's motivated and he's fit and he's and he's and he's getting on that ball. Um and he's such a disjoint the first year back. But the key concern is that, you know, no matter how good the coaching is, if they're outmatched in that front row and, and they've let John Ryan go, a year ago they let James Cronin go, they would have been starting Props at times in the last couple of years and they're relying on Keenan and knox and roman salanoa two players who have good pedigree but really have no experience to back up Stephen archer who's fast become you know moving closer to being their most capped player of all time but again it's probably coming towards the end of his career a tight head and you compare it to what leinster have in their roster in terms of furlong and porter you know and and, and mike lalato back and um, furlong up and, and Keane healy back in Porter up, and you're just you know, and then you got Sheehan and Keller in, in in the middle, in between those two, and it's not a, it's not like for like. It's not the strength is not as as great, and they've spent money on getting Feketeau in to shore up their midfield. They signed two centers when really could they've combined all that money signed a signed a hooker like you know could they have gone after a, a Malcolm Marks type figure, which would have given them that beasty four pack you know you know front row. You know, what they really, really need, but they didn't. They've gone after a midfielder, but if they're not getting front football, they're not going to be much use to you. So that's my concern over Munster right now. Um, Can they get that that dominance to unleash that backline? That, you know, they've got a really good back coach there now, and and we hope that he's going to be a bit more creative than Stephen Larkin was. But, you know, if they don't get front football in the biggest games, that's going to be a struggle.
0: All fair concerns and questions regarding the front row. I am an Antoine Frisch fan though, the, the French player they brought in from Bristol who looked pretty good in the games I saw him play last uh, year so I, I take your concerns but if he can get a little bit of ball as you say he he could be maybe one player to watch. Luke, one thing that Rudd did mention earlier that is interesting, it was announced a couple of weeks ago, Is this emerging Ireland tour that's going to be taking place in rounds three and four of the URC and it remains to be seen exactly what the squad makeup is. It appears now it might be a, a younger squad that maybe people initially envisaged that I think the idea people initially had was it could be like Kieran Frawley and players like that who are going. Now it appears it could be maybe the guys who were involved in the Grand Slam under-20s team last year. But still, what do you make of it taking place at this time of year? Are you a fan? Do you think it makes sense? What What's what's your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of unusual. I suppose my own sense of things is uh, that they might have been better off just doing a mini-camp in Ireland and keeping a bit of continuity for guys. Like I just hope that there's people there who don't miss out in a game in the URC Um, you know, to go on that because I think, you know, the bedrock of your of your whole career is basically your club career. You know how how that goes and cementing your position there, getting opportunities to see the coach, getting it, and and getting up to like there's less games I think for you now to be in the shop window, um, in your in your province, whereas pre previously, you know, there was probably, you know, nearly. Oh, I wouldn't say 10 games, but I'd say maybe eight games or so, roughly around that number, um, maybe 10, you know, here and there, but that are kind of earmarked for the younger guys to, to showcase what you have. And you might even get a chance because there's so many of them to play with some good players. That doesn't really happen as much now. That's really difficult to get those games. Um, and I think, I just hope it doesn't mean that a few of them miss out on, on, on their one chance or their second, you know, the one or two chances to show the coaches what they have in the early portion of the season. Now, in saying that, look, what they do get is they get an opportunity to uh you know showcase in front of the Irish coaching staff or whoever it might be who goes out. I know Farrell isn't planning on going out at this stage i think is is the word but um you know that that is interesting to see you know you know who like will it have any impact? Will there be any people that go on that tour that actually you know go out, kick on and actually play some provincial rugby this season and um, you know it does depend on 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 how they go and p- go and pick that um to my mind. It made sense to be picking someone like a Frawley or someone like that who's come off, you know, a pretty good tour and could be, you know, an experienced candidate. I mean, you could take a few younger guys then because, you know, he's he is pretty experienced at this stage and, and a few other people like him on that tour. But we don't have any clarity on that, Will, and probably speculating at this stage. I probably thought it would be a good idea to pick some of those people that might not be – that are kind of at the forefront of um, – things in their province but maybe not maybe not the forefront but probably just behind starting in the provinces i thought it might be an extra game or two for us to see them so they don't dwindle on the bench or you know outside of the 23s um you know in big games it might be another opportunity for us to see a bit more of them but we just don't have enough information on it. it's it, it is weird to me I, I would think that the setups are kind of well because you know you're kind of well positioned to you know um flourish there and to you know as i said cement those bedrocks in um in in the place where you know you're it's kind of most important for you to do at your at the early portion of your career um but that's my opinion that might be overly negative and maybe a bit traditional uh versus maybe the, the, the irish coaching staff feel there is obviously some value in doing this
0: yeah, it's funny, I'd be more inclined, I'd be on your side, Luke. When I was talking just to friends about it when it was first announced, a lot of my mates were very positive about it and they thought it was a really good idea. Rod, like what's your thoughts? Like from the provincial point of view, I'd be furious if I was at Leo Cullen, Graham Roundtree, like Graham Roundtree, new head coach, even if it is the younger cohort who are under twenties, some of those guys are quality prospects. Even having them in training every day, you know, putting their hand up for selection there, potentially breaking in for an early season game would be valuable and it's two rounds of URC, but between the traveling and the games that play down, in reality, like, are they going to play the week before they go with the week after? Probably not, if they're going to be involved there. So that's probably four weeks out of uh, provincial reckoning. Like, what's your read on the players who might go? Like, are, are we on the same wavelength there that it could be younger guys? Or could it be, you know, the Kieran Frawlies of this world? I, I'm, do you think it's a
2: good idea? Well, I mean, I, I think your your instinct is right that the provinces are really annoyed about this. You know, you know they... they just feel like it's another impingement on their on on their ski, their season really i mean the, the international windows take up 3 months of the season as it is and now you know plus camps out of out of competition and stuff so you're right to assume that the provinces are not happy about this um do i think it's a good idea depends on the quality of the opposition i mean those three teams don't strike me as particularly strong tests for these teams you know they their curry cup sides and um, they're not in like the you know i, I don't know what the idea is because uh, initially there was talk that the the eight provincial a teams will go down and play these teams um in some sort of a tournament and obviously the, the rfu and the sa or have been talking to to some degree about trying to get games for those teams and the RFU would are doing them a bit of a favor but they're also getting you know they're obviously seeing a, a reason to do it themselves and from what i believe i think and again, this may change and it may be dependent on what Leinster plan to do with certain players and stuff. But I believe it's more your kind of last couple of years, under-20s players who Ireland want to take a look at, get hands-on with, bring them on tour, test them out and see if there's any gems that they can they can fast-track into the setup. And like one thing Farrell's been really, really good at is taking a player who has... Limited provincial form in one, in a one position and fast tracking him ahead of someone else like Jameson Gibson Park being the most obvious example. Kieran Treadwell in Ulster, you know, he doesn't start for Ulster and suddenly he's coming on against the All Blacks and he's physically dominant in, in those games. And um, are just two examples of that. And and could someone like say Park uh, Campbell then in, in Munster? Could he go on that tour and could suddenly come back and he's up the ranks in Munster? And you know, does Frawley suddenly go up the ranks in Leinster as a number ten because what he did during the summer? potentially you know that they, they could have seen something on that pitch against the mary that luke's been seeing for a couple of years now and say oh hang on a second you know he's better than ross burn or he's better than harry burn or he's more durable or you know they may have seen something in that so i guess if leinster are not are, are not using kieran frawley for those weeks um ireland would take him but i would think that the plan would be that leinster will be using kieran Frawley quite a lot this season in 23s for big games the urc have been assured that the, the big the front liners will be back at that point and and the ireland players will be playing and if you think it's only a month out from november that makes sense those lads need four or five games before the Springboks. so um yeah i whether it's a good idea yeah it, like the I don't know how big those or good those games will be. I wonder would have been better off playing against a, an England Saxons and a you know I don't know what Scottish the name they have for Scotland Day and not having to drag them halfway across the world for it. Um, the proof will be in the pudding. One
0: last thing on this, Luke, before we move on. You know, I take Rowland is a good point about you know Andy Farrell sometimes picking a guy who isn't excelling at provincial level or maybe isn't first choice and you know and seeing something in him and, and it bearing fruit. I don't understand why Andy Farrell wouldn't go on this tour. You know, if if it's such a big thing, such a big developmental tool for the World Cup, like what's Andy Farrell doing that week that has
2: him so busy that he wouldn't go himself? I, I, I think he'll be there. I just don't think he's hands-on. I think it, I, I've, i I would suspect he'll be in South Africa, just not leading the whole thing.
1: Does that make any sense though to any, anyway, I, I think, sorry, I'm obviously going to share, obviously my opinion is that. He should be hands on. Like, why wouldn't you have the best guy coach? The idea is that you have the best coaching staff. Um, now, maybe exactly. there's some kind of he's the most senior rugby
0: coach in the country.
1: Well, I I, it, it, I would have thought that was you, you. get to he's obviously wants to watch them, but I would have thought, why wouldn't he just em, like emulate what he's doing with with the Irish team and see who who survives the best or who. Flourishes in that kind of setup, and who uh, who he thinks is kind of made of. But look, he's probably going to be watching it really closely, but I, I don't know. I, I'd want the best guy to coach me if I was doing it. I, I feel like if he's there, that's even less of a reason for him not to be like not not to be actually you know hands on. Um, so yeah, look, it's 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 a weird enough one that he's not going to be doing that. I, I get that they're probably trying to do something in terms of the succession with the coaches, but um, I don't think he. I don't. I think I think Ireland is a perfect place for him. I think he'd be crazy to be thinking about stepping away. I know he just signed a new deal, um, which I thought he would do, Um, but I I could see him staying on. Like, if he has a great World Cup, I don't see why he wouldn't continue to stay on here. This is a great place for him. Irish people are very much like, you know, uh, kind of Northern English. Um, You know, I think Lancaster, I'm sure, enjoys it here as well. It's not that big a transition, and Dublin's a great town in Europe. It's a great place to live, so... Yeah, I I don't think you should be worrying about succession if that's what he's doing either. Uh, and I think he should be hands on if if this is what this is. He should be one hundred percent committed to it and treat it like another tour. Um, I don't know what Rods Rudd, Rods think. Do you any 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 kind of thoughts on that, or do you think it's not actually that important?
2: Yeah, I I wonder how hands on he'll be over there. I I do think that the some of this is looking beyond twenty twenty three and almost beginning the next. You know, because some of these players won't? Sorry, the vast majority. You know, you might find one or two Nuggets who might make a camp during the summer and do a Connor Murray in 2011 on it and and get their way in. But it seems unlikely to me that anyone who wasn't in New Zealand last summer is going to make the World Cup at this point. Apart from maybe, you know, someone like Jacob Stockdale coming back and shooting the lights out this season, you know, or someone who was injured um, like him. But this is you know he's now the ireland coach up to 2025 which means he'd probably be the irish co- coach in 2027 unless he goes on the lions and, and decides that's it for, for him then so there's a bit of that as well Um, is this preparing you know is this long-term planning for you know what happens if Farrell goes on the Lions and we have to have a six-month hiatus like or a sojourn or whatever they called it in wales when gatlin went i mean i'm obviously getting way way ahead of i've thought the world cup was a year out like we're talking a couple of years down the line but this is what you do in your strategic plan you're giving your assistants a bit of experience it's going to be a grueler of a tour as well blumfonteins you know i want to be kind i'm sure we have a few south african listeners but it's not the greatest spot in the world to be spending 10 days three games in that period it's not gonna be a massive squad that's a tough tour and i think they're going to work them really hard they're going to see what they're what you know they're going to test their metal over there as well um there's not a lot of spots to go out in blumfontein you know there's not a lot of distractions for players to go and enjoy themselves um you're not in cape town where the sevens is this weekend where people will be having a great time so like it's it's gonna be tough and i think that's the idea i think it's really gonna test these young players and if he gets one or two gems that he can bring in as a kind of a what, what does he call them uh not a project player but uh you know as an apprentice or whatever in, in the november window maybe get them in like jordan armor in the six nations in that last year the following time that's then maybe it's job well done but it's uh you know i'm sure like you know leinster can probably weather it you know some of the provinces have stronger squads than others. You know, if 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 Connick someone they were planning on, on using that might hurt them more than anyone else. And they're in South Africa at the same time anyway.
0: Yeah, one last thing on it. You know, Simon Easterby has been kind of named the head coach of the tour. I personally would have liked to have seen Paul O'Connell take that role. He's never been a head coach before. Simon Easterby was the Scarlet's head coach for two years in a professional environment, which is a far more strenuous test of a head coaching, you know, kind of credential than it is going away for a week with 35, you know, young players. I think it would have been more beneficial for him to, to lead it, but that's, that's that's just one man's opinion. Rudd, one interesting thing that came out of the URC launch was to talk about Qatar. I know you were writing it earlier in the week, the URC potentially playing games there. They've already linked up with a sponsorship with Qatar Airways. Obviously, kind of who you know you get your money from and sport these days has been a very hot topic over the last, you know while obviously, the golf um, controversy as well. Like, what, what's your read on it? You, you, know, you wrote about it, as I said. It was a very interesting piece. It, it seems like something that they're willing to embrace.
2: Yeah, but they're also... I, I think we're... To, look, this is not on the same level as... Qatar owning PSG, or Qatar having the World Cup, or you know, or you know, Newcastle being owned by Saudi, or Live Golf. This is a this is a sponsor with an airline that happens to be state owned, and that's all it is right now. But there is the prospect down the line of of preseason matches and exhibition matches being played in Qatar, which then, you know, I suppose deepens that sponsorship, and then you start shining a light on Qatar. And we look, I think, if you follow the you know, World Cups coming up soon. There's been a lot of pieces about what goes on in qatar qatar has a dreadful human rights record it treats migrant workers abysmally and i think the key point really is that gay rights are very very limited in sorry gay, homosexuality is a crime in qatar and earlier this year nick mccarthy came out as gay and the urc sent him a message saying well done congratulations we support you we stand by you well you can't have your cake and eat it too Um the money's good the deal is good for them you know if it's just your official airline i think people would just look the other way but when you once you start saying things like what martin and i said on monday or tuesday what which he said we hope that we can change the values of qatar by playing rugby in qatar and they really believe in rugby values and teamwork i mean that stuff look if, if it's a money play and it's a, it's the best route to south africa and it makes life easier for you I think people would just go oh, shrug their shoulders and get on with it, but don't sell us that. Like, you know, that doesn't make any sense. And don't tell Nick McCarthy that he's, you know, that that this is great. And then go and in, get into bed with someone who thinks he's a criminal. I just think that's hypocr- hypocrisy and it deserves to be called out. Um, you can't have it both ways. And, and, you know, professional rugby has had a very damaging couple of years through COVID. They need revenue. They need money. They've got a new title sponsor and in the entire manufacturer that no one's ever heard of really in this part of the world. And now he's done a reasonably good job, pretty, pretty good job of, of growing this competition. But that deal, you know, if they, you know, was it, it wasn't the only airline they could have chose? What is it, the only country they could have chose? Do they have to play matches? Could they just use the airline? You know, where do you draw? You know, like, it, it, they just sold it as something that it's not. It's a money play. And that's, that's, like, we can all hold our nose to that. But don't start selling it as some we're going to change the world kind of thing because that's just not true. And also, what message does it send? Nick McCarthy's out. There may be other, there's other players there. There's fans who wouldn't feel safe going to Qatar. Like, that's not a good relationship to have. And, and while you might be stuck for cash, are you that hard up?
0: Yeah, Luke. What, what's your view on it? like as well as the guitar piece of it? There was also talk about maybe America being a destination for potentially Leinster Munster games in the future. I know he walked that back a bit then and said it could be maybe preseason friendlies to, to start off with. But obviously, very keen to explore other revenue opportunities. And then the questions come in about what you should explore or should not explore. You know, pertaining to some of the issues that Rod touched on there.
1: I'm definitely for uh, kind of expanding the reach of rugby. Um, you know, I think, I do think generally integration will be important in those places that are probably, that, that their values and their ideology is, is is not aligned with ours, which I think is probably further along um, in terms of, you know, gay rights and things like that. I mean, we've got to remember, I mean, homosexuality was only decriminalized in Ireland in 1993. Um, so I think we always have rose into glasses when we look at ourselves and we're kind of judging other people. Um, you know, I think if you think about, you know, just, just life in general you know uh, liquefied natural gas and oil so i think qatar is the in the top 3 liquefied na- natural gas producers in the world or exporters in the world uh, i think in the oil uh, rankings they're 16th or something like that largest exporter in the world we use all of that to you know to fuel our cars for plastics for clothing for all that kind of stuff so everything we do every day is integrated and we're you know propping up all these places that we're all giving out about um in our daily lives so i think we're it's funny when you actually think about it and that and that's that's how i've kind of looked at this so i said look are those things do i agree with those things i don't of course like do we need these things for cars to run for all these things all these things we do in our daily lives do we need these things yeah i think we do and it puts us in positions where we have to deal with people from different parts of the world who think very differently from from ourselves Um, and it's very very difficult to reconcile the two and do I think it's right how they think? No, but I'm, I've been brought up in a different world, um, in a different part of the world with different that I think is probably a little bit a little bit further ahead in our thinking of those things. But as I said at the start, not that much further ahead. Nineteen ninety three in Ireland, you know, that's 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 when it was decriminalised here. So we just got to be careful about how we go about this. Do I think Martin's comment around um, that is well intentioned? I do. Do I think the reasoning behind it is for the money? Of course I do. Th- I, of course I think that. But my own view is that I think it's good that these things are happening over in that part of the world and that we're integrating because I do think what it does is it pushes along that agenda of getting those things right and making sure that people are treated equally and fairly across uh, across the world. There is a rugby championship match going to change that? Of course it's not going to do that. But um, do I think they need it? And do I think it's good for the game? I do. And I think integration, as I said, will be good in the long term in these places even if we don't get changed straight away. I think those things will happen because I think even people in those countries will wake up and say, well, look, you know, we have these you know, Irish people over here. We have people from different parts of the world, from Western parts of the world where, you know, all this stuff is decriminalized and, you know, these places are flourishing. And once the oil and gas runs out, like how are we going to attract people to, to our country? Um, you know, if we have these rules in place, I think they'll have to change by virtue of that. So that's my own view on it. I, I think that'll be controversial in some se- in some respects. Um but I would say to those people, you know, are you, you know, how, how strong are your feelings on this? Are you still driving your car? Are you still getting your, you know, all, all the stuff that we import and that are fueling our, our our ships and all these things where we get our imports and, and all that stuff? That's all being fueled by places in the world that we that think very differently on a lot of these key issues to us. Are you gonna stop doing all those things? Because, you know, if you're gonna stop doing that, then I think you can have a strong view on this. If you're not gonna stop doing those things, but then I think you're a bit of a. Um, I think it's a bit contradictory if I'm being honest. Yeah, well, the football World Cup will be interesting to see the experience of
0: fans over there. You know, obviously, gay fans who go over how they're treated. If it does make any impact or inroads in their thinking, their culture at all, having all these Western supporters coming over for 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 December, I suppose it remains to be seen. But as as you both mentioned, there lots of nuances and interesting uh, points to it, and it'll be interesting to see what the URC do. Uh, you know over time on that just on the american piece of it wrote as well you know a separate issue but also an interesting kind of jumping off point in terms of growing the sport or growing the game like i know the times first reported that a leinster Munster fixture could be played and i think people were a bit like surprised and i know as i said he walked that back a bit can you give us a bit of an insight into what the thinking was behind potentially taking games to america
2: yeah i think they're very different conversations because America's about kind of growing the game or the broadcast revenue and all that sort of stuff whereas qatar is just about money and sports And looks it's too deep a conversation i think to keep going back and forth on it so i think me and Luca disagree on that one but we'll maybe have a special podcast on it another day because people have tuned in here your will be definitely interesting stuff Russ. like i think the american thing everyone's tried to crack america some different different way didn't wasn't there a premiership game in washington dc ireland have played the all blacks there I, I think the only way to crack America, if rugby's ever going to do it, is through its own competition. I think Anai, who thought about having franchises over there, like initially when he came in, I think he wanted to have a Boston team or something like that in this league, and that just does That's not going to work. That's just not going to take off. I, I know rugby league have tried it uh, to some degree, but I think they've they've walked that back and they've decided the South Africans are just you know that's an established rugby nation. There's there's, there's not as much work to be done there, and it's 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 a winner, um, for them so what's the alternative he said that the, unless the problem i think unless they change the structure and there's more games they won't move uh regular season urc games to america or, or or anywhere else even qatar even though they're sponsored by qatar they if they change the format and there's more games then maybe they might do it but ultimately it's too important to leinster munster Connacht, ulster to play their derbies in ireland you know munster's Munster Leinster in the in in, in Thoman Park at Christmas is one of Munster's biggest games this season. The, the Aviva game that like I mean the Americans are to be paying top dollar to try and convince the new Leinster CEO to move Leinster Munster out of the Aviva. I mean, it just doesn't make financial sense for them. The, you know, Season tickets are still really important. And you're trying to sell season tickets for the same price for less ga- for fewer games now. So I mean to take away the marquee fixtures out of that will be really damaging to 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 the provinces. And the same in Wales, the same in scotland and italy um but really you know leinster Munster is the one that would, would 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 kind of draw the big crowds he did say that maybe epcr might look at it because they're also partnering up with Qatar. it's not just the urc and maybe you're looking at challenge cup aren't the cheetahs playing their games in, in europe this year in the challenge cup so maybe they could establish themselves with a base in guitar or maybe you know you could take games in the in the challenge cup to the states but sure like who's going to go to those you know like what's what's really the the growth opportunity there you know You might come for the novelty, but are you going to, you know, how are you growing anything really by just having a one off fixture there? You need to embed the game in there. And there's a World Cup there in, what is it, eight or nine years' time? That, you know, the MLS really is the way to go about that. That's, that's, sorry, not MLS, MLR is the way to go about it. I think rugby officials have probably realized that at this stage. And going in and out for one game might be fun for those of us who got to go over and and cover them, but I don't see how really long term it's going to stick in any way.
0: Yeah, because you mentioned the one-off, like you know, I always think of this—the Chicago, Ireland, New Zealand game—and what a great occasion it was. And you're like, if it could be like that, you know, a lot of you know, a Leinster Munster game over there. But as you mentioned, there's so many kind of stumbling blocks in the way. Like, not that this team, or this league, rather needs another nation involved in another time zone. But I was just thinking about this earlier when I knew I was going to ask you about America, about like an American team being in the league and, and how competitive they might or might not be. You know, kind of like when the Jaguares were in Super Rugby. Obviously, Argentinian rugby far stronger. But is there enough American players or foreign players who could play in a East Coast franchise that, that that could have been viable at one stage? I think that's not ridiculous. But maybe I'm just kind of jumping over. Well, maybe if, of... if
2: like the Sunwolves coming into Super Rugby more than Jaguares. Jaguares, where Argentina really um minus a couple of European players, but the Sunwolves. Um, we're in and the Japanese players didn't want to play for them. So we, it ended up just doing a load of overseas guys. Didn't really work. No one went to their games and the Japanese league kept going. Look, there's a f- obviously it could work. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm cynical about it, but like, you know, there's, a, there's there's anything, you know, if you do it right, if it's done right, you could you, it could take off and be, be exceptional. But I think that the, the key to sustainable success in the States is that at MLR, I think that makes a lot more sense for because it's their own. It's, you know, like the NFL, like, you know, America's so... Big and I mean that's what makes it a challenge for rugby. I think because the, you know playing games, if you it, it, think about how much AIL teams play on traversing Ireland, like you know trying to cross the Amer- America to play a game with a squad of whatever players is, is is difficult. But also it gives you that you know that potential market that's there it could be absolutely enormous. And the athletes that they have available, it's that golden goose. It's what everyone goes after. But I don't see one one franchise playing in this league really being the key to breaking that market. I think it has to come through the MLR.
0: Yeah, it's just an interesting talking point, as you say. So many sports, or you know, t- or you know, industries generally dream of cracking America, or, or you know, making it in America. So if rugby could do it in some shape or form. It could be huge, and obviously, as you mentioned, Oasis that, course, couldn't do
1: it well. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> <All right. laughs> it's yeah. a tough yeah. nut to crack. But the, the other thing is, like, it, it, I completely agree with with Rose. And I think, look, they are getting some good investment there. There is, there is moves, you know, a foot there. Um, capturing the audience there seems to be a challenge for whatever reason and I think look MLS seems to be taking off to a certain extent there's definitely an embedded kind of fan base there at this stage but it took massive investment in a lot of years and they probably need to get a few stars over problem is do, does rugby have a star like a, a David Beckham or a I know Pele back in there or whoever it is does it have someone like that that they can continue to that that is kind of mainstream um that can capture the the imagination, like the kind of the some of the the soccer superstars can. It's um, that's the big challenge for them, you know. And you know, the, the money is good. I think there is actually interest and there is money, but getting an all, getting you know, getting ten thousand, you know, fifteen thousand people to a game. That's still that that's still not there yet. But well, we live in hope. I think it, it would, be, if you know, it's such a vast place with so many resources. If they can get, if we can get that, if they could be a power on the world on the world uh, scene, God, it would really. I think it would open things up you know uh and it would open up lots of other parts of the world as well i think
0: yeah i was thinking that like you know johnny Sexton's still playing such good rugby if, if it comes to this day next year he's still playing well you know potentially he could be that kind of you know the big splash signing to go over they've had it you know by no bastero and none who have been over there but maybe if johnny wanted that one last uh year mm-hmm. now, just before we finish up i tweeted it out yesterday asking listeners to get in touch with questions, and thanks to everyone who who did a lot of good questions coming through. There's just two in particular that I want to put to both of you before we finish up. First one, Rudin, I'll, I'll go to you with a first from fb 7 Do you see Jacob Stockdale having the kind of season that can force his way back into the Ireland team for the World Cup? You know, in his absence so much rugby has been played, but so many back three players have come to the fore. James Lowe, Matt Hanson, Conway, Larmer, to name a few, Robert Balakun and Ulster looks really good before he got his injury ahead of the New Zealand Tour. Obviously, we know what Stockdale can do, Rory. But do you think he can get up to the level he was to dislodge some of these really quality players?
2: Yes, he can. Um, I think there's a lot he has to show before I would be certain that he will. Um, he'll play for Ireland again. He's certainly got the athletic prowess and uh, scoring potential that it's, you know Ireland, Irish rugby just can't ignore a player of that quality. Um, has he? how has the last year or two affected his desire? Is he coming back as hungry as he possibly can be to get back to the top level? And that's the big question with Jacob Stockdale because on his day, he's about as unplayable an Ireland player as we'd had for for, for a good while. You know, he, he, his scoring record is, is absolutely outrageous and that year he had in 2018 was just in, in, incredible. But... You know, I, I go back to the 2019 World Cup quarter final against New Zealand. He was really poor that day. He made some really key errors, and that that cost. I know the team wasn't great on the on the day, but you know, his his particular um, mistakes were really really costly. And the 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 Six Nations decider in Paris at the end of the 2020 season, again that when he dwelled on the ball and didn't go down, and, you know, like it, the, these were critical errors of lapses of the con- 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 concentration in the biggest games. You know, and and it looked like he just lost focus at a young age. He's the same age as James Ryan, you know, and, and Andrew Porter. And yet um he seemed to be just I don't know whether it was focus or or, or or what it motivation or what it was. It just seemed to dwindle. And now he's had a couple of years off. He's more mature. He's coming back into it. How hungry is he? And that's the question. Because the only is in question, I think defensively he has questions to answer, but so did James Lowe. And he's younger than James Lowe was when James Lowe figured all that out. So, uh, he comes back in. Andy Farrell liked him as a fullback. He's obviously a, a proven pedigree as an international winger. And he's a lot to do, but he has the talent to be able to do it. And uh, look, Luke is a far greater expert and back three player than I am and will have his own opinion on it. But I think he's got the pedigree. Just It's whether he has the desire and whether he's willing to put the work in on the defensive side to, uh, to kind of correct what was wrong there. Yeah, Luke, what's your thought on it?
1: Um, certainly got the ability to do it. Um, you know, I, I would probably share some of the concerns about his, you know, just how he taught his way about the game. He looked like a guy who maybe needs to be relaxed, but he can't be relaxed in certain situations. You know, you've got to be, you know, international rugby is about doing your, your, your homework on the opposition, you know, in attack as well as defense, particularly for Ireland. You're not going to be, you know, it's rare Ireland have 60 or 70% possession against another team. You're not going to wait. It's generally around the 50% mark. And I think, you have to be a great defender. You just have to do You see James Lowe's come back. You can see he's really worked on that. That was an error. That was a, a, a problem in his game that he that needed solving. And I think he put some work in. I think Jacob Stockdale's in the same boat. And I think um, he became a little bit, maybe overconfident in that year where he got a load of tries. Like, a tries are good. Like, tries are great. But... You need to be you need to be thinking about not you can't just be thinking about tries. You need to be thinking about being a really good rugby player, no matter what position you're playing in. And I I always from day one I just felt like there was lots of gaps in this game and I and I just think that he probably got exposed. What I would say is you can always turn that around. You can see like the abilities that he has, the physical prowess, he's not He's not a dummy. Like you know, he can he can turn this thing around. He can th- he can think his way through this, and he can think about things in the game. You can see that from his attacking game. He's very capable of doing that. So yeah, of course he is. He has the ability to do it. Do I think he's starting from quite a, a bit back? I, I think he is. I think he's behind quite a few people now. So he's got to work really really hard. He's got to have a really really consistent season um, to to turn it around and get himself back to the forefront. And I think. Well, the only thing I would say is he's got a great his physical ability. Like he's he's a guy that you want to be in your team because he's such a big man. He's so quick. Um, you know, they're great. To, they're great physical attributes to have in international rugby. So we always will have that advantage on most of the guys there, probably Barb, James Lowe, really, um, and maybe Balakoon to a certain extent. Who I might, oh, I actually think Balakoon might is a bit ahead of him at the moment as well. So, um, yeah, that's my views on that. I think he's. Uh, I've always liked Stockdale. I just think. He had gaps that he need, that he didn't fill in quick enough, and I hope in, in, in the intervening period that he's really worked on those things, got his thinking straight, uh, and is ready to to lift off in this uh, in this Ulster team and be like a new signing for them.
0: One interesting point, I think, on Stockdale is that he was among a cohort of players who Andy Farrell really backed after that 2019 World Cup, which was a disaster. As Rudd said, Stockdale's quarterfinal performance was very poor, but he started pretty much every game, certainly every big game, for the first year and a half until he got injured. So is he still one of Andy Farrell's go-to guys? There's been so many over the last year who've stepped up in his absence, so that'll be maybe one thing to watch. Okay, last question before we finish up, and it's probably a bit of a – a bit of a meaty one to to go into at the very end but Conor Dempsey sent in a question wrote how should Leinster divvy up the game time this year between Sexton the two Burns and Kieran Frawley an impossible task almost certainly an impossible task to answer at the end of his show but for you you know briefly like what, what way are you looking at how Leinster should approach things Sexton won
2: Frawley too pretty simple I think he's I think he's got more upside than I know Ross Burns done the business in, in big games but you know I, I I, I think there's more upside in Kieran Frawley. I think he's the, he's the closest thing Leicester have to Johnny Sexton that's not Johnny Sexton. And look, we're not going to see Johnny Sexton in the blue jersey much in the URC this season. So it's going to be a battle. Like, Harry Byrne is a player that I rate without, but then I haven't seen enough of him. And, and the few times we saw him last season, he didn't live up to the kind of earlier things that we've seen from him. So he's starting on a real back foot, you know. And there's... there's like there's younger players coming through there from the 20s last year at 10, like you know, Keen Prendergast, younger brother um, and Tector as well. Like they, they, there's, there's more coming, you know, like they, they've they kind of let Dave Hawkshaw go to Connacht because they've got so much depth in that area. But personally, based on what we saw in New Zealand and based on what we know about him, like he's, he's a good kicker. He's big, he's strong. He's a big defender. They don't need him at 12 so much. They've got Natai in now. Um, you know they've got Henshaw will be there for the for the big games. He's too good a player not to have in your team, and I personally think he's he's the natural successor to Johnny Sexton that the your squad at the moment.
0: Luke, it's an interesting one because I've heard you know Rod mention it there, and I've heard a few people say, "Oh, Johnny Sexton will be playing in the URC this year." So does that mean he's just going to be kind of swanning back in for Champions Cup games? There's a lot of URC games where some of these guys, the lads, probably either of the Burns as they play we'll get a lot of game time and it's, it's kind of an interesting one to almost just be pension Johnny to walk back in, which obviously his pedigree is unbelievable. He's a great player, but it's just, a, I don't know. Like, is, is that a good way to, to run it? If you're just basically saying, okay, Johnny, you're on ice for every league game, but you'll still be playing every big game. Is that maybe that's just a reality? Like, but is that a great way to
1: run a squad? I think it's the right way considering then. I think they know this is Johnny's last season. I think, um, is it the right way? <laughs> it's the right way for Ireland. That's for sure. Um, I think, um, you know, I, I've been calling for this for a long time. Look, like, I think Frawley's been in the wrong club for the last two years. I think he's slowed his progress. Um, I think he's a brilliant player. Uh, I think he's got a great head in his shoulders. Um, I think it would have been hard to leave Leinster because they were quite a bit ahead of all the other provinces. I think where he naturally fits perfectly is Ulster because uh, Billy Burns is not the guy to take them to the next level. They keep falling short. I think he's a big reason. I think Frawley would be ideal for them. Um, I think they've missed a trick if they haven't approached him. Um, I think uh, it's really difficult. Like, how do you how do you shove aside Ross Burn? Like, how do you, I just don't know how you do that? He's been really consistent for Leinster. He's been excellent in the league. Um, he hasn't had, in my opinion, enough opportunities to play. He, he's he's the guy who's he's like four or five years further on the track doing what Frawley's been doing. <laughs> that that he's like Frawley in five years' time if he keeps doing what he's doing. Um, but I think, look, obviously he he knows Johnny's gone at the end of this season, you know. So um, I don't know. It's a really difficult position for them to be in because you know you, you can see uh, Harry Byrne. I think from his, the, the one thing with Harry Byrne, I can see is he's got a he's a beautiful handler of the ball. Like that's a really difficult thing. One of the most difficult things to do at ten. But I just haven't seen any other development from him in terms of his physical side. He looks a little bit, he looks like a young kid still. He looks still I could be completely wrong on that, but that's just my read looking at him. Um, his brother looks a lot more robust and looks a lot mentally tougher than, than him at this point. Probably a really harsh thing to say in a young kid, but that's just my read from a distance. He he looks like a lovely guy and all that, but talking rugby here, i got to be honest with the listeners. Um, for all, should be getting all the game time, if you're asking me honestly. And I think that, I, I just don't see how you do that to Ross Byrne. If you're, uh the leinster coaching staff he's been an unbelievable server for them he's still young uh he's bought bi- he you know he's bided his time behind johnny for a long period of time and he still has way more experience than frawley um but that's the tough call that that's a tough position they're, they're in if you ask me i think you knew my answer anyway will didn't you like it was always going be Frawley. i just think i just hope he hasn't slowed his his, his progress too much that's my one worry with him he, he needed to be playing 10 every day for the last two years and he hasn't been doing that
0: well, who would have thought that Lencer's team sheet to play Zebra in the first weekend of the season would be such a big talking point, but but here we are. It'll be fascinating to see who's named at 10, and we could have this debate all night, and we could be here answering your great questions that you sent in all night, so thanks again for, for sending them in. That's all we have time for in our first show of the season. Thanks to Luke and Rudd for joining me. We will be back next week with another left-wing podcast reviewing the opening weekend of the URC, but in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.